I want to teach great people how to buy great deals so that they can make a positive impact in the community because it's not all about returning maximum value to shareholders as it was when I was in corporate America. Welcome to Target Market Insights, the multifamily and marketing podcast. Each week, John Kasman interviews multifamily and marketing experts to teach you how to find the best places to invest, attract investors, and grow your portfolio. You are listening to Target Market Insights with your host, John Kasman. Welcome to Target Market Insights, the multifamily and marketing show. I'm your host, John Kasman, and I want to thank you for joining us for another great episode. Now, if you haven't already, be sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode and leave us a rating and review so we can hear what you love about the show and any tips or advice that you have to help make this show work harder for your investing needs. Now, we got a great one today. I'm bringing back a good friend of mine, Mr. Jerome Myers. Now, if you're interested in multifamily and you want to review a sample deal, you are in luck. We have a special download on our website of a sample deal package. Just go to kasmancapital.com slash sample deal, and you'll also join our mailing list to get tips and exclusive investment opportunities. Again, that's kasmancapital.com slash sample deal. Jerome Myers is the preeminent authority of dream realization, and he's a believer that dreams can and should be real, and he left corporate America when he realized that his role offered financial gain, but little else is significance. Now, he is the founder and head coach of Myers Method, and he's been featured in Black Enterprise Business Insider and numerous podcasts. Let's welcome to the show, Jerome Myers. Man, I'm in the building with John Kasman. It's going to be an amazing opportunity for me to grow and learn. I can't believe I'm actually a guest on this show. I remember in Boston seeing John walking through the hallway and I went on a fanboy rant. I was like, it's John Kasman. And he looked at me and as smooth as ever. He's like, what's up, man? What's going on? And so, you know, for me, this is a dream becoming a reality. John, thanks for having me on, brother. Hey, man, listen, it's great to get you back. And uh, I really appreciate the way we've been able to connect and grow since that time and learn more about you, what you've got going on and just the growth and how you've been able to help other people. But for those folks who are not as familiar with you, why don't you take two minutes and give us a little bit more context on your background? Yeah, man, I'm a corporate America dropout. It's kind of plain and simple. It's my claim to fame. I built a $20 million division for a Fortune 550 Back in 2015 and 16, we're pretty profitable, about 30% profit margins. And the reward for creating all that cash was laying folks off two years in a row. The first time I did it, I was like, man, I hate this. I don't ever want to do it again. The second time I did it, I said, I can't do this again and I'm out. And so I left and thought I was going to get into multifamily. Went to 10 banks. They all told me they weren't going to give me any money for a loan. And so I started fixing and flipping And eventually I met a guy, we eventually partnered on a deal and my name ended up in the paper and the banks that told me no started calling. And I took those relationships a little further south and building a portfolio here in Greensboro, North Carolina. Oh man, I love it. You mentioned being a corporate dropout and that's pretty common. certainly similar to my story. I mean, we just spent 15 years in corporate America, ended up leaving to focus more on multifamily. And I mean, you talked about, you left the job, right? After they were basically asking you to lay people off the second time you said, I can't do this again. You quit, you focus on multifamily, can't get approval for loans. So you end up doing some fix and flips. For somebody who's maybe where you were when you're at that job and in your head, you're like, I can't do this anymore. I need to quit. 
What advice would you give them? What would you change if you could go back and say, hey, you know what? Before you quit, do these things first. Oh, yeah. We got a checklist for that. It's a 15-point checklist. I'll give the listeners a few. And if they want to hop over to JeromeMyers.co, they can get the rest. But the first one is you need about 12 months of expenses saved, right? That's part one. Uh, Next thing is you want to talk to the people around you who are going to be most dramatically impacted by your choice. If you're married, you need to talk to your spouse. You probably want to talk to your kids. Depending on your relationship with your parents, you probably want to have that conversation. And then people who are potential folks who would be customers or whatever you're getting ready to do, you probably need to hang out with them and make sure, and this is something I didn't do, that they're actually see you as somebody to buy from. So what happened with me when I left, I thought I was just going to consult back and do some of the things I've been doing. And everybody who was anxious to be on my calendar and wanted to take me to lunch and all this other stuff no longer had any interest in me because I no longer had the title. And that was a rude awakening, but I'm better for it and I can warn other people about it. And I think the last thing that I want to talk about in this brief segment is just make sure that everything that you are going to buy on credit is bought, right? If there is anything where you need a W-2, they are going to ask you for that pay stub, right? And if you don't have a pay stub to present, stated income only works on a few things and you could be in a place where you can't get financing. And so if you're driving a 10 year old car and you're not planning to save up and buy the next one in cash, you probably need to refresh that. And yeah, it may increase your expenses, but you don't want to be in a space where you don't have transportation, don't have cash, and you're just going down what I consider to be a slippery slope. Man, powerful insights right there, Jerome. I mean, just to play it back, you said, hey, if you're getting ready to leave your job again, or for anyone who's in that position right now, three things that you want to do. First, have 12 months of expenses saved up. Two, talk to the people around you. Talk to your family, children, spouse, parents. Talk to those people who are going to be impacted. Make them understand what lifestyle changes are going to take place. And make sure everybody's on the same page or at least understands what the situation is going to be going forward. Third, whatever you plan on doing next, talk to those potential customers or investors. If you are planning on consulting or you're planning on doing anything else, launching a new business, you want to make sure that you actually have potential clients lined up so you're not going into this empty-handed. And then the last thing, anything that you need good credit for, anything where they want to check kind of your pay stubs, make sure you get those things prior to leaving that job. So actually four tips, but great insights. And you mentioned if you want to get the rest of that 15-point checklist, you can go to JeromeMyers.co. Jerome, since that time we met in Boston, you've got your podcast, Multifamily Missteps. You have your conference, the Mid-Atlantic Multifamily Conference. And you do a lot of work helping to educate other people about multifamily investing. Why do you feel is so important to you to help educate other people to get started in multifamily? Oh, man, I could go a bunch of different ways here. I'm going to go the wrong way first, and then we'll come back and do it the <laughs> right way, right? I got a problem with the industry, John. I think a lot of people are being taken advantage of, and particularly people of color, right? And they're coming in, they're trying to be first-generation wealth creators. They're going to give their money to people who have no intention of actually helping them get a deal done, right? They're just going to put it out there, and it's for you to figure out. There's a little bit of handholding that needs to go on. There's a little bit of prodding and suggestion and even positioning to help the person be successful and just no interest in doing that. And 
I'm the guy that has gotten the call from so many of the people who've gone through these programs and they're asking, where did I go wrong? What didn't I do? And I'm asking them the basic stuff and they don't have any of that. Right. And so, you know, the name of the game has been, you don't need any money, any credit, any experience, and you can still go buy one of these huge deals, get a big acquisition fee, you know, six figure acquisition fee, and it'll pay for this investment that you're making. And I just don't believe that any of the educators that are out there in the space started that way. And so to think that we're just going to skip a bunch of steps without somebody rolling up their sleeves, getting some dirt under their nails and being in the game with us, I think is fantasy at best. And so that's the negative piece, right? The positive piece is I didn't know what I didn't know. I came out, I thought I was going to go get a million dollar loan with no job, with no prior experience. And, you know, when I rolled into the banks and it's like, yeah, I got this building. Don't you want to give me money? They said, no. I said, what do you mean? I got an 800 credit score. I got this business I just built. I got my engineering license, like all of these things, Six Sigma Black Belt, MBA. Like I got all the credentials. What do you mean? You're not qualified. You haven't done it before. And I said, well, well, how do I get experience if I don't have experience, right? Like, and it's the same thing when you're applying for a job, they treat you the same way. And the only thing that I've learned through watching people do deals is they don't care as long as the money's in the bank. Like if I had a million dollars or a million plus dollars in the bank, so I could write a check for the deal, if it went bad, then they would have been good with it, right? Because I could cover it. The bank doesn't invest in dreams, man. They invest in proven business plans with experienced operators, right? And I just didn't know any better. And I was listening to podcasts. I was watching YouTube videos, but it was disjointed. It was disorganized. And so had I went through a program or gotten a coach early in the game, my portfolio would probably be five or six times what it is today. But I went through the school of hard knocks. Now, I learned some things the hard way because of it, which allows me to teach people from experience instead of hearsay. But the fact of the matter is I don't want anybody to go through what I went through. Like, I'm not competing with you. I'm not competing with anybody else in this space, right? Like you and I have very different business strategies, but they still apply to the same asset class. And that's what I feel about in general. Like in our program, we give people our whole playbook. Go implement. I buy one market. And if you can buy a deal in my market that I haven't seen yet, Mazel tov, I'm glad that you can, right? Because I want great people in the industry. And I, that's probably the last piece, right? I want to teach great people how to buy great deals so that they can make a positive impact in the community. Because it's not all about returning maximum value to shareholders as it was when I was in corporate America. Yeah, Jerome, I appreciate that, man. Just understanding that experience too, as far as what you went through trying to get those loans, what the banks really are looking for. And banks are notoriously conservative, right? They really don't want to take risks. They want to put their money out, make as much money back as they can and make sure that in any random scenario that doesn't play out, they could get the property back and still be in a good place, right? So banks are going to be very conservative and hard for any new investor. So you definitely need to find other solutions to help you do those early deals. You talked about the importance of education and you went through the school of hard knocks and looking at so many different educators out there who don't really have an intention of helping someone do their first deal. If you are listening to this conversation, you may be saying, well, on one hand, you're saying 
there are a lot of educators who don't really want to help you do a deal. On the other hand, you're saying, hey, you should get some education and some help to help you do this deal, right? So the challenge people face is, how do I find the right program? So my question to you is, when you are exploring education platforms or coaching platforms, what should people be looking for? Yeah. So this is the million dollar question. And it's one that there is no right answer to. There are more right answers than there are less right answers, right? And so the first thing I will tell somebody who's evaluating programs is spend time getting to know the person that you're going to learn from. Not necessarily in one-on-one conversations, but watch them out in the ecosystem. They should be speaking at conferences. They should be on podcasts. They should be on social media. And some people just kind of delegate their social media, but they should be on social media, right? They should be offering stuff to the community because they actually harvest from that field. And so first, get to know their heart. Are they truly a teacher? And do their values align with you? Like, are you getting into real estate because you just want to make money? Is that why you want to buy multifamily? Okay, then you can go find a person that teaches you just how to make money. Are you interested in being able to impact the community and buying things at the right price so that you can do both? Find somebody who talks about those things, right? What I've learned about a lot of the educators is they're polarizing, man. Like they're going to say stuff and it's going to make the skin or the hair on the back of people's neck stand up because it's a trigger for them. And then there's other people who just kind of walk the fence. They're not going to say anything. They're not going to ruffle any feathers. It's just kind of quietly moves through. Those are the people I worry about. Why do you worry about them, Jerome? Because I don't know where they are, right? John, you and I, when we see conferences, if there's an African-American male speaking, it's usually me or you. And I'm going to go there right now, right? And so for all of those people who are not 40 to 50-year-old, maybe 60-year-old white men, and you're giving your money to people who put together conferences and host podcasts and do events that don't have any diversity on the stage, why on earth would you believe that they're going to help you get your deal done? Yeah, I think you bring up some really, really compelling points. And to start, one of the big things is I think it's really important to understand somebody's why. Why are they doing this? And both sides, you as a potential student, if you're looking to hire someone to help you get into multifamily or whatever it is you're trying to hire someone to do, like, what are you actually trying to accomplish? And then on the other side, what are they trying to accomplish? Obviously, there's a monetary exchange. Let's put that aside. Outside of that payment, what's in their heart? Why are they doing this? And you talked about the diversity or lack of diversity on some of these things. I will ladder this up to a challenge that we see across America, right? Where we have large corporations where you don't see that representation. And I don't mean that in a sense of just being politically correct. Like we can take the PC stuff out the window. What I'm talking about is understanding how to connect and reflect the people you're looking to do business with to create teams that have diverse experiences and diverse point of views so that you can truly scale in a way that allows you to thrive and be successful. And when you talk about from an education standpoint, the biggest challenge is you may have a completely different set of circumstances than the person you're talking to. And one of the things for me is like, again, another corporate America dropout, right? So I had a corporate 
connection, right? I had my corporate America connections, my bosses, my clients, and all those kind of things. But the reality is, is that many of those individuals, either when I didn't have that title, there was a bit of a barrier where they didn't necessarily automatically see me in this new role and want to, okay, go ahead and start investing with me. Or they themselves had challenges where they weren't in that position, which pushed me into education and try to help other people learn how to position themselves so that they could have more time, flexibility, and control their freedom, right? With that said, there was no rich uncle for me to call and say, hey, I want to go do this. Would you put up $150,000, $200,000? You may not have rich uncle. No, I mean, whether you do or don't doesn't matter. My point is you have to understand what you do have and what are the resources available to you because it's not as easy as call 10 people you know and see if they'll invest with you. You may not have 10 people and the people who might invest with you may want to wait and see you get a little bit more success first, right? Or see a little bit more traction. So that may change the size of the deal you do. That may impact your time frame for investing. That may impact a lot of different things. But I think it is really important to have some awareness of not just what your goal is, but also like, hey, when someone's trying to give you insights, what scenarios does this work for? Because everything doesn't work. You know, what works for somebody in San Francisco, as far as hosting a meetup and being able to raise a lot of money at a meetup may not work in Gary, Indiana. You can't just host a meetup in Gary and expect to be able to raise millions of dollars at the drop of a hat. So I think it does really matter to have a mindset where you can step back and understand the different components that create success and having a blueprint, having an educator, a partner, mentor, coach, somebody that can help you see where those differences are and how you might need to adjust your strategy, I think is still paramount. But I'll let you respond to that. Well, I immediately went, because you talk about starting point, right? I immediately went to a conversation that I had in our multifamily kickstart segment of multifamily missteps this week, right? It's not going to come out till August, right? But here's what the conversation was. I've been given the opportunity to raise $10 million for a development project. I've never raised a penny of money in my life. I'm a military service member and I don't come for money. My sponsor has never actually done what we're doing, which is a brand new ground up construction deal. And I don't know where to go in order to get this deal done, but I don't want to let him down and I don't want to reduce the credibility of my new business. And all I could do is look at him and say, you've not been positioned for success, right? But this is what happens when people go into some education programs. And I don't think any of the big educators are going to ask anybody that's new to raise $10 million, but they are going to put a reasonably large number out there and say, hey, you need to raise this in order to be part of the GP. And I don't do air quotes around the GP because that's all relative, right? From my perspective, if you're not signing alone, you're not in the GP. For me, that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where you get to go off and do your own thing. You need to sign those loans. And so I just really want people to, one, know what they're buying, right? Because it's easy to, John, let me give you $30,000 and then on your next deal, let me raise a hundred K and say that I'm in a GP, but I don't really own any of the deal. I don't have any operational responsibility. 
But I can say that because you closed a 150 unit deal, I got 150 units in my portfolio. And yeah, it sounds good from a marketing standpoint, but for the people who are actually in the business, like the majority of us see right through that and we know what you actually know how to do. And this kind of goes to the other piece of it, right? There's a lot of folks who just go talk to the mindset guys, the guys who are going to rah-rah you, call you a rock star, tell you you're amazing, you can do anything if you put your mind to it. And then when you get a deal in your hands, they say, oh, you need to go talk to a multifamily expert in order for you to be successful at getting this done. And the thing that hit me in the mouth hardest when I left corporate America was I kept buying incomplete solutions. I kept buying these jigsaw puzzles and there was a piece of the puzzle missing. And so after I spent at some points my last buck to get this magical solution that was going to solve the problem for me, I realized that there's still a hole in my picture and that can be crushing for a person who's desperate. Right. And I think that's once we make some of those decisions, it's like, this is my last ditch effort. This is my last shot. I'm going to get it done. And then this desire to create generational wealth turns into debt. Tell me more about the incomplete solutions. I think that's pretty powerful. And I mean, as you talk about that, I think that's a challenge a lot of people face is they want to get that deal done. And maybe they're looking for various resources to help them do that. But Maybe they're feeling what you're talking about as far as, hey, I got something, but I still haven't gotten that deal or I still have an incomplete solution. Tell me more. Yeah. So we've got this framework and it's across the bottom. We have competence and then on the Y axis, we have conscious. Right. And so you can be conscious or unconscious. You can be competent or incompetent. And I think the vast majority of the folks who are interested in multifamily real estate are unconsciously incompetent. I call it ignorant bliss, right? And so you listen to some podcasts, you watch some videos on YouTube, but you don't have a framework that works you through the whole process. John, it's super simple, right? And this is the conversation we would have with the LP. We're going to buy this building. We're going to improve the physical place. Like we're going to make capital investments and we're going to improve the operations through better property management. And you're going to make money. Simple, right? I don't need to know anything else about it until you're an operator and you realize that your underwriting assumptions were based on things that didn't even make sense because you don't actually know what it means to have an expense per door. You were writing it based on percentages of your income or you thought that you were going to be able to do value add and your occupancy was going to stay at 95%. Like there's just so many disconnects because the majority of the content that's produced is so that you come spend money with me or invest money with me. So it's a highlight reel, right? There is no discussion about the failures, the missteps, the challenges, digging in your pocket and spending money on a deal that's supposed to be sending you checks. Like people don't talk about those things and it's not because they don't happen. It's because it doesn't further the marketing narrative for them. And so when you're unconsciously incompetent, you're in that space of, I don't know what I don't know. And my whole goal is to help people see that they don't know what they don't know or that they know what they don't know. That's the other place that I really think people can be comfortable in because then the thing pops up. He's like, I don't know. I need to go get that answer. Who can I turn to to get that answer is the next question, right? And I had a guy come to me, I don't know, 
maybe it was six or eight months ago. He was like, yeah, I already got a mindset guy. I just need you to mentor me for free on my multifamily deals because I'm not that great at underwriting. And I'm like, yeah, but what was the point? Like you got the mindset, but now you can't actually operate your business. And that's what I call an incomplete solution, right? Like if you know your outcome is this and no shade to the mindset guys, because mindset is 80% of it. But the problem with only getting 80% of it is you're a C student, right? You need the other 20% in order to be successful at it. And it's not something that there's a school for. And there's guys that do meetups for underwriting and you got the mastermind sessions where people will go through deals and all that stuff's great, man. But do you know for yourself, right? Do you have a fiduciary like looking over your shoulder and making sure that you're not missing something. And I'll give you a perfect example, John. The first deal that I underwrote for a contract that I wrote, I put the taxes in at $1,000. The taxes were $10,000 that year. My partners missed it. The bank missed it. And I found it out because the tax people sent me a late notice and said, you need to pay this. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh. I thought the attorney paid it at closing because we did it right around the time that taxes come out. Thought the attorney was going to pay the closing table. He didn't pay it. Like you need to pay it. Now we had some money in the bank, right? And we had, I don't know, I think net operating income on the property was like a hundred thousand dollars. So it wasn't that big of a deal in theory, but what if we didn't raise right? What if we had some things come up that we didn't expect to come up? Like we could keep going down the list. What if we didn't have partners that had capacity and you were talking about, Hey, go raise $100,000 or whatever based on your network, right? I remember when I started this business, I knew one millionaire. And today, the majority of people I talk to are millionaires, but I knew one then, and I grew up the son of a soldier and a stay-at-home mom. My parents still don't really understand what I do for a business. But when I keep stacking it and I think about it, capacity is a real thing. And depending on what schools you went to, because our friends are usually based on proximity, depending on what schools you went to, depending on what activities you enjoy to do in your free time, like your network's going to be very different. And if you're not intentional about having people who have significant assets in your daily interactions, you're going to have a hard time raising money. And the other thing about those folks is, They want somebody who knows what they're doing. Like they didn't get the money by chance, right? Like they made some strategic bets on some people who they had a ton of confidence in. And being a hard worker is great and everything, but they want some expertise, right? And that's kind of the bow on the top, right? You've got to figure out how you're going to become an expert and do it quickly. And doing your first deal is a big part of it. And I know you help people get into deals. I know you help, but it's a whole lot more about making sure they don't do a bad deal than it is getting the first deal done. You hit on a couple of things, Jerome. I just want to point out, first and foremost, the networking is key and building a powerful networking. The thing that I always try to push people on is people sometimes say things like building a thought leadership platform, launch a podcast, or, hey, you want to build credibility, go launch a podcast, Right. And I want people to understand the next layer of that. And I'm not going to get into the marketing aspect, but the reason this is important is not to appear to be credible and knowledgeable or to pretend to be an expert. 
is to actually learn, to actually become an expert, to actually build the credibility so you know what you're talking about. The mistake Jerome made, if you guys are watching us, the moment he said he put a thousand dollars for taxes, I laughed. Like, you can't, like, because again, I've done over 300 episodes. So even if I was a newbie starting out, maybe I, that wouldn't have made much sense as an issue. But when you talk to over 300 investors, when you talk to hundreds more during events and conferences and meetups and all the books and the podcasts and all the information you've consumed, all of that counts. Every podcast you listen to, every blog post you read, every conversation you have, it's a part of the education process. So the more you do that, the more you put yourself in a position to ask the questions, to learn, to engage, to educate yourself, the easier this is going to become for you. And when you can surround yourself with great people, not just high net worth investors potentially, but coaches, mentors, people who have experience that can help you avoid the mistakes they've made, now you are positioning yourself as someone worthy of doing business with. Because while you may not have the track record of the experience today, I can look at the team you've built around you. I can look at the way you've prepared yourself to take down the deal. And I can place a bet that, you know what? I see the hard work this person is putting into this. I see the team, the network they've surrounded themselves with. And I believe that they can have success, right? And that's the thing. It's not to believe that this is some smoke and mirror show. And I know some people may throw it out there and they just think it is. Just launch this show and you're good to go. I would urge you to actually invest the energy, the time, and commit to bettering yourself so you can be the best investor you can, especially if you're looking to partner with other people. Hey, real quick, just before we move on to our bullseye round, you've got the Multifamily Missteps podcast. You also have your conference and your coaching program. You got three kind of different education platforms that you offer. For folks who want to learn more about those platforms, what's the best way for them to find more information to reach out? Yeah, man, everything's at JeromeMyers.co, John. We consolidated everything to make it super easy. And so we just think about it on three different levels, right? The first one is the podcast. Hey, I'm casual. I'm just plugging in or I'm doing a continual education. I want to learn about it in privacy in my own home. So boom, go ahead and do that. Lock in. Guys, you'll get to see the ugly side of multifamily investing. And the goal here is just to scare you off if it makes you queasy or get you excited about not making that mistake because somebody else made it and you can learn from it. The conference, it's intense, man. I'm not going to pretend like it's not. It's three days of the best speakers in the country. People you probably won't see on other platforms just because they're not getting that type of stage or they don't have, haven't built a following big enough to maybe garner the ability to attract other people to come to the conference. And so we just wanted to run people through on the stage that can inspire the person who may be questioning whether or not multifamily investing is for them. And so that's September 17th through the 19th of 2021. And if you ask anybody about the one that we had in March, I think you're going to get positive feedback on it. Just an amazing opportunity, super low ticket for what you get. And then we've got the coaching and the course, and those kind of go hand in hand for those folks who want to make a deeper investment and want to have an organized framework in the end, right? You know, we got to force that process, find, fun, fix, and flip. And in that, we give you what we do and why we do it. 
And we give you all of the, we know that it works because we made the mistakes and we modified the process so that we wouldn't make them again. And the goal is to help speed you along. Back to that puzzle, John, you know, if you don't have a picture on the box of the puzzle, how do you put it together? And that's what we give you. We give you the picture on the puzzle and then we help you get the frame around it. And then we fill in all the pieces with you. That's the whole game. I love it. Jerome, appreciate you sharing that information. Check out JeromeMyers.co to learn more. Now it's time for our bullseye round. And now it's time for the bullseye round. Give me a failure or an apparent failure that sets you up for later success. Oh, boy, I could go down a list, right? But I think the best one is just not getting that first deal done, right? So we went to the banks. They all told us no, said that you got to network, you got to find a partner. And then eventually, after fixing and flipping, we found somebody who was willing to partner with us on that deal. And that changed the trajectory because I lived in a world where I always thought it was about what you knew and who you knew didn't really matter. And this elevated the who to the what at the same level. And then, you know, after you established that baseline of expertise that you were talking about a few minutes ago, then the who matters a lot more because you are actually established as uh, somebody who knows what they're doing. Give me a digital or mobile resource you recommend for your business. And Calendly saves my life. <laughs> the ability to constrict the schedule and get it set up so that I don't have to send an email with three times on a specific date that worked for me or having to get on the phone to connect and make sure that it works or having a person say, hey, I want to get on your calendar at this time and you happen to go check. Like all of that is just a bunch of nonsense at this point. And so we lock in with calendar. Give me the book you recommended or gifted the most of the last year. Sizing People Up by Robin Dreek by far has been the book that had the biggest impact on my life and business in 2020. Good insight out of that. Man, look, trust is not based on liking somebody. Trust is based on your ability to predict what they're going to do. Life-changing advice for me. Because I used to trust people because I liked them. And then I get disappointed and it's like, it's wrong. Well, you couldn't predict what they were going to do. Sounds like a good book. We've got to check that one out. I think you're the first person who has mentioned that book on the show. So I appreciate that. Give me a daily habit that helps you stay focused on your goals. Yeah. The morning run is gained six miles every six or seven days a week. Whenever it happens, it reminds me to stay grateful and appreciative because I've come so far, but also like the future and connecting the dots because that's what this game becomes in is how can I make this and this work together in order to create a greater outcome. What are you curious about right now? Man, I'm curious about interest rates, right? I think a lot of people are entering deals and they're counting on a big exit. They're counting on continued cap rate compression. And I just don't know if it's real. And as a value add investor as we are, our big paydays on the backside. And if I'm wrong about my exit cap, it can throw everything into a tizzy. Right. And so that's what I'm really curious about what's going to happen with interest rates, and how that's going to play with cap rates. What's one thing you know now that you wish you knew when you were starting out? Get education, man. Doing it through the School of Hard Knocks is the most inefficient and ineffective way to learn how to do anything, period. And that time is so much more valuable 
than you will ever imagine on the trajectory of your business. Don't get experience doing silly things. Right? Get experience on high value tasks because you have a solid foundation. All right. You're in Greensboro, North Carolina. Give me the best place to grab a bite to eat. Man, I'm going to change it up from last time. I'm going to go with Scramble, man. It's an amazing breakfast spot. You're going to take a nap when you leave that place. I mean, the portions are huge. Just Southern comfort food. Not good for your heart. Not good for your clip. None of that stuff. But I tell you what, it tastes good, man. There you go. All right. We'll make sure we check that out next time we make it out to Greensboro. Jerome, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, man. I love to hear your perspective on things. And my takeaway is a couple of things, right? We talked about education and how important it is to educate yourself as opposed to going through the school of hard knocks. But in that process, find people who can truly help you with a complete solution, right? Don't go for the incomplete solution. Find a solution that has the framework in place to help you get from where you are today to where you want to be and find people who have your best interest in mind. It takes a minute to try to figure out where someone's heart is and how they teach, who they teach and all those kind of things. But make sure you're investing in surrounding yourself with the right kind of people to help you reach your goals. Again, if you want to learn more about Jerome, you can check out jeromemyers.co. Thank you again for coming on the show. And we, of course, will be in touch again soon. Take care, buddy. Thanks, John. Thank you for listening to this episode of Target Market Insights, where we tap into the top experts in multifamily and marketing to uncover the top insights and strategies you need for your business. Now, if you're enjoying this show, leave us a five-star rating and review, and don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. We look forward to bringing you more great insights, so just chill till the next episode.